The podcast is back. The podcast is back. The podcast is back. You'll notice there's no Nikki laugh track in the background. That's because it's just me. It's Dustin Jones. This is just another white guy's podcast. Happy to have you along for the ride one more time. Uh, we're going to keep it short and sweet at the top here this week. Uh, Nikki is taking a break from this week's episode. She doesn't know she's taking a break. I just didn't tell her. I'm recording this on my own uh, as I sit here in my office on this beautiful, sunny Monday morning. I want to get this up and done and ready for you guys to listen to on Tuesday because I have a heck of a long week coming up at work. We got some changes coming in uh, to our system and uh, we got all kinds of stuff that we're going to have going on. So I took some time and recorded a great podcast with a longtime friend and former classmate. Uh, he's a couple years older than me, but uh, we live close to each other, rode the bus together for a long time, uh, played on a lot of the same sports teams, uh, and uh, we're just around each other a lot and, and have uh, some great stories to tell. So I wanted to bring him on and uh, share those stories with you guys here this week. His name is Josh Mink. Uh, he currently lives in Wyoming, uh, where he works uh, at a high school as a uh, student advisor. And uh, he's really uh, trying to give back to the community and do some good things for kids these days. He has an interesting story uh, and an interesting journey on how he got to where he is. So we talk about that, uh, we talk about some, some stories from when we were growing up in Oregon, and um, you know, if you've listened to a lot of these podcasts, you'll know the uh, love that I have uh, for the North St. Am Canyon, Mill City and Gates, and uh, all of those fun places. So we're going to keep it short and sweet at the top here and get right into the episode. It runs about an hour and 20 minutes, this conversation. It felt like when we were recording it, it was only 15 or 20 minutes. So when I looked down and saw how long we'd went, I was surprised, uh, but in a good way. So I think you'll enjoy the conversation. One thing I did want to mention here at the top, um, as I look at the numbers uh, and the downloads and all the stuff that come in uh, and where those downloads come from, there's one person that consistently downloads this podcast every single week from the province of Ontario in Canada. So if you're that person and you're making that download, I would really appreciate it if you send me an email, uh, jogpod, J-A-W-P, I don't even know how to spell my own podcast, J-A-W-G-P-O-D at gmail.com. If you could send me an email, I'm, I'm just curious about who you are and uh, how you found the podcast, and, and uh, I appreciate the download and the support. You're my only Canadian listener, so I'm just curious uh, who it is, because download it every week. So I thank you for that, and thank you to everyone that takes the time to listen and subscribe and share this podcast. It means a lot to me. We're going to keep this thing rolling. We're pumping out at least one a week, and uh, I see that continuing for the uh, foreseeable future. So without further ado, let's get this week's podcast started. It's a conversation with my good friend, Josh Mink. Let's go jogging.
After a uh, long courtship, a lot of negotiation, dancing around each other for months, back and forth, text messages and conversations, I finally have the legend himself, Josh Mink, on Just Another Why Guys podcast. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. You and I have known each other. I was trying to remember... Because obviously we went to to school together for a real long time. You were you graduated in ninety seven, right? Ninety six. Ninety six. So you're two years older than me, but we lived uh, in the same little ass town in Gates, Oregon. I think we probably kind of would have gotten more familiar with each other when I moved over to the house on the river by on Linwood, and we started riding the same bus together. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm I sure. think I think that's what I remember. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that would have been and Gates is such a Gates is such a huge town that like right. I mean, it would have been hard. Know, it would have been across the river. It would have been hard for us to run into each other otherwise. <laughs> exactly. But uh, you and I. So I I I believe that is my recollection of of uh, how things started uh, in terms of knowing each other a little bit more than um, you know because I think so if you were two years ahead of me when I moved back. Uh, in fourth grade, so you would have already. Would you guys already been upstairs at that point? The middle school. Um, fucking remember how this. No. Works. Sixth grade. So that was all seventh and eighth grade, and the upstairs That's at the right. middle school. That's right. Leo Poole was my sixth grade teacher, and uh, we are still downstairs. That's right. He was your sixth grade teacher. So. I thought he taught me for fourth and fifth. Did he teach fourth and fifth or fifth and sixth? You know, when I was there, he taught sixth grade. But, you know what? I think you know, ma- maybe knows? maybe I moved back in the fifth grade. Because I yeah, moved, maybe. I moved, I moved in second grade. Okay. I think I think maybe I came back in fifth grade. I don't know. It all blends together. <laughs> but I know I had I had Mister I had Mister Pool two years in a row. Really? Yeah, because he because he was teaching fifth. I don't remember. He was teaching something. I don't know. Anyway, I ended up with him for two years in a row. So I was a real, I was a lucky guy. But no, for uh, sure, he's good. Yes, he was. He was a good. I mean, he was old in 1992 or 93 or whenever that was. So the fact that he was still, for sure, he was still up and kicking. Now he (laughs) he passed away. Didn't he pass away last year? I have no idea. Honestly, I I have no idea. I think he passed away. Trying to remember, you don't keep you don't keep yeah, track of I, all the important happenings of the canyon. Well, with everything else going on in my life, um, I try. <laughs> but you know, uh, so much stuff known around in my brain lately that <clears throat> some stuff I read and then I'm like, oh, that that's too bad, or oh, that's awesome, and then later I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, he uh, um, he, pa- like- he passed away July 31st, 2018. So not okay. quite not quite okay. a year ago. So, uh, okay. Yeah. RIP, Mr. Pool. Thanks for all the, thanks Ab- for, thanks for all the teaching. And I still use some of his, uh, little saints. Do you? Even today, like teaching and coaching or whatever. And my favorite is when kids are like, well, it's close enough. And what would Mr. Pool's response be if you said that's close enough? Do you remember? I do not remember. I was a terrible student. He'd say, He'd say, "Sir, close only counts on hand grenades and horses." Oh, okay. So I, I, I use that. I use that too. I don't. I don't attribute that. I don't yeah. attribute that to Mr. Pool, but I, it's it's under. I can see where that that would be the case. 
Yeah, yeah. So you and I went to school all the way up until you graduated in '96. You would have been uh, you would have been a senior when I rolled in as a uh, or, or uh, I would have been a sophomore when you graduated high school. So that was yep. uh, that was the year after. So most of our memories are wrapped around uh, sports, you know, because that's kind of just what you did in the canyon. Of course, uh, you Absolutely. and I you and I have a couple of other memories. Uh, one of the memories that sticks out to me the most <laughs> is uh, the time you took me up to my house uh, when I was living in Idana, and uh, we decided to see how fast we can make it back going down the hill. And I have that it. That was in the POS car. Yeah, I have it in my brain yeah. that we made it from uh, from Big Cliff Dam to Gates in the amount of time it took to listen to uh, Guns N' Roses song. But I did yeah, that. Yeah. I did. I did that drive. I did that. I did that drive this uh, this winter, and I was like, mm, I'm thinking maybe my memory's a little bit off on that, because we would have we would have been having to yeah. go. We would have had to have been going really fast. Yeah. No comments. No comments on uh, incriminating. Statute. Statute of limitation has passed on that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, what the hell was that? Uh, what was that state trooper's name? Uh, that uh, whose kid went to Regis was it Conrad? Oh, geez. Um, I think uh, that was the state. Shoot. He was the state. The state patrolman. I think it was Conrad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, used to patrol that I area. Right. I don't think he listens to this podcast. I'm sure we'll be fine. All right, sounds good. <laughs> but uh, that's that's definitely a, a memory that that sticks out uh, for me. Was uh, I, I don't even remember why the hell we had to go up there. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, for funsies, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I feel like uh, I feel like I was probably Do getting need, into. I feel like I was probably getting into some some sort of shenanigans. I don't know. Yeah, well, that that was probably the case for all of us. We were getting into something. Yeah, well, you know, we uh, <laughs> we won't talk about those sort of things. <laughs> but, uh, as long as as long as yeah. Jamie Van Octomal wasn't there, we should have been fine. I saw him when I was home, <laughs> and uh, we had a we had a good time. We had a, and it ends up I end up meeting the guy, um, in, out back behind the football field in the circle. You know where kind of that little neighborhood is behind the track, right? Because they moved the football field over there. Yep. Um, Jed Hennis has got a van full of beer. Surprise! I, that's a and, huge, uh, that's a huge shot. <laughs> and uh, end up running into Jamie at the back of the van with a cooler of beer. Uh, we had we had some, some good reminiscences um, talking about the good old days. <laughs> some, some, sometimes when you go to Mill City, it's like you literally fall into a time warp, and you could be right back in 1996. Oh, absolutely! I mean, I, I'm I'm walking around because it was a playoff football game. Uh, we hosted a playoff football game during the alumni tournament, which was really cool, actually. Right. A lot of alumni there, a lot of people able to watch. And uh, um, I'm walking around the track, and I'm just like, Holy, where am I? Like, exactly what you're saying, it's like a time warp. Um, Coach Perkins is there, the Hennesses are there, the Ramirez's are there. I mean, it's just, um, you know, it was interesting. <laughs> and uh, as I was I – was, I was writing down some notes of, of stuff to talk about and that kind of leads me into, you know, 
I, I have this pull that draws me back to the canyon, even though like I know now it's not what it was when we were younger, but I still have this pull to it. Like I was home for Christmas. I, I drove right. from my mom's house uh, that's over in Lacombe uh, or Lebanon, whatever. Uh-huh. It's out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and I just drove up to the canyon. Just I just wanted to be there. Like I just you go and you know you drive around to the old spots and just kind of look at stuff and see what's changed and you know they have the whole new yeah. uh, they have the new fire hall and gates and which is like amazing and just go and just kind of just check out the things and do you do you feel that pull back to back to the canyon not necessarily that you need to like that you want to go live there or whatever but it just it it no matter what that still feels like home to me oh absolutely. Yeah, me too. And, um, yeah, no, and maybe not to live there, but maybe to live there. Yeah. I mean, especially in my field, you know, like it'd be cool to go home, um, doing what I do, but, uh, I don't know about the rain anymore. Yeah. After living, you know, 300 days of sunshine for the last 10 years, it's pretty nice. Um, yeah, that's, but there is, there is a pull to go back and serve. There's a pull to go back and like serve the community for sure. You right. know, get back. Um, we, so. I, it, in some ways it kind of feels like, even though I know that like we didn't have like, it wasn't perfect. Like not everything in the Canyon was perfect. It wasn't completely idyllic, but in some <laughs> ways it kind of felt like when, when we were younger, it kind of felt like we kind of just lived in this protective little bubble in the Canyon. Like, nothing it didn't really seem like everything anything really that bad ever happened like there was the like oh, I, little yeah. things that would go on whatever but like we, we're such a small town and for those that are listening that don't know this i mean mill city and gates are they're three miles apart there's this it's this tight-knit community mill city has like 1400 people gates has like 400 people so you know you're talking about you know about 2000 people in this little community we all go you know to the same high school and all that sort of stuff and it was, I don't know, just in some ways it just felt like this picture, it kind of a picturesque like upbringing as a kid, even though, even with all its flaws and you know, there's plenty of things that weren't great. And it's not like everyone, like we're all like all rich and shit like that. But like a lot of people just seem to live a pretty happy life there. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, and I think you can attest to this too. Like, you know, we live in a logging community. You're going to have people that are fortunate. You're going to have people that are unfortunate, but, um, you know, like our friends were in trailer parks or big houses on the river or up on the hill or whatever. And everybody was kind of equal. I feel like. And, um, and I think that was what was really cool about it was just kind of being able to bounce around and have the friends that you want to have. And it didn't really matter like socioeconomic status didn't matter anything as far as um, who was cool or who was friendly or whatever. I think, I think the people that were outcasts in mill city were people that chose to be outcasts and weren't necessarily forced into being outcasts. A lot of times you'll be in communities where there's kids that feel like they're forced out. And I I could be wrong. There could be kids that felt they were forced out, but it, it felt like for the most part, we were all pretty welcoming of, you know, people that, and in fairness, I mean, we were pretty much all just white kids. So it was just a different, you know, 
levels of yeah. of it, it wasn't yeah. we it wasn't like we were dealing with a lot of cultural diversity like it was a big deal when one black person moved into our community you know well yeah but i mean even if you think about like uh some of the migrant workers that were working in the mill yeah um they were welcome they were welcome too right like we yeah. just hung out and it wasn't a big deal yeah. and um i think that 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 experience kind of being that kind of open whatever kind of fed me into, you know, my long journey of education and then finally ending up in Portland, Oregon and being able to um, have friends of different races, have friends of different socioeconomic status and go to college with those people and just kind of hang out and just not really talk about any of those other things, right. you know, but talk about like what, what is the human experience. And um, I think Mill City is really unique in that way and Gates as well. And um and that we just kind of hung out. We didn't really care about these like petty type things that other people maybe care about. And I think that served, at least for me anyway, served me well um, moving along later in life. Absolutely. And I believe you, I think that you misspoke. I believe you meant to say the Mill City, Gates, Detroit, Idana, greater metropolitan area. Yeah, I was going to bring that up earlier. The metropolitan areas. That was, a, amazing. that was a fantastic <laughs> that was a fantastic running joke that you and I had that uh, that we would oh absolutely yeah so, yeah uh, yeah so you, after you graduated uh, did you go directly to college uh, okay so and and maybe this is why I ended up in the career I'm in but um, I was pretty much allowed to fuck off my right. senior year um, I had two and I wouldn't even count I'd say one and a half important classes my senior year because um, I doubled up my junior year on a couple math classes and whatnot. Um, so I had reading appreciation as my English class. Solid. And I had gov- uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, with Carlson and Carlson's amazing. And I love the guy, um, but I should have, ch- I should have been pushed a little bit harder. And then uh, I had uh, government economics. The rest was all shop classes, P classes, TX. And uh, so I didn't even get into Eastern Oregon. Oh. With, like, I, I didn't fail classes in high school because my parents would have kicked my ass. Um, they definitely didn't expect A's and B's either. But um, I didn't get into Eastern Oregon, which is like everyone's safety school in Oregon. Right. And I had to go to, Sheme- I had to, go to Chemeketa for a year to prove that I'm worthy of going to a four-year university. So I went to Chemeketa, uh, my, my freshman, I guess you could say year right out of college or right out of high school, ran track there. And, uh, and then was fast track then on to Eastern Oregon, um, university. And, uh, yeah, that's a whole nother story. (laughs) So, so one of the things in, We'll we'll take it down. We'll we'll go back to more fun loving stories here in just a second. But definitely yeah, one of the things yeah. that that was uh, a touchstone moment in your life. Of course, your your dad unfortunately was killed in a logging accident. Uh, Correct. Your was it was it your senior year? No, it was when I was at Shemekita. Oh, it was. So yeah, it was after I graduated. Shortly after, I mean, it was in October of ninety uh, six. I shortly thought, after I graduated. I thought you were still on the football team because they came in and told us. Yeah, well, I mean. 
or maybe uh, I think, uh, or maybe, or maybe it was just one of those things. Maybe it was just one of those things where it was community news, and they wanted everyone to just be aware. See, and that you know, circling back to what you're talking about, such a tight knit community. I think that's what a lot of it was. Was um, dad? Dad actually helped with the forestry team a lot with with Carol Curry and right. um, I can't think of his name, Clegger, right? Uh, that sounds right. Um, he, but um, he he'd actually done some work because he was working for Cree Logging, um, and he'd done a lot of work. And then um, and then he he moved to a different company, and that's when the accident happened. But he'd been pretty close knit with a lot of a lot of people through right. the forestry program, and it's probably one of those things where this is a close knit community. So I don't know if you remember, but the funeral service was at the Gates Church, and. Um, the the main church hall was full. Right. Then they they ran speakers into all the other rooms, so the cafeteria and all the uh, like the Sunday school rooms and everything. Yep. Because it was standing room only hmm. for that funeral. So, um, yeah, it was kind of. I, I think that's probably what it was. It was just small okay. town. Because I because um, I distinctly I distinctly remember. Yeah, absolutely. Like a, just a pillar of the community and not, you know, you know, right. I, I just, right. I just distinctly remember being in the locker room, getting ready for the football game. And then, and I'm pretty sure it was Bob's honor that came in. It was just like, Hey, we need to tell every, and it may have just been a situation where you had been a big part of the football team the previous year. You're a graduated senior. It wasn't, you know, not that far right, removed right. from having graduated and Hey, everybody, here's what happened. You know, let's go out and, you know, Everyone knows you knows the right. situation, but I just I had it well, and, I had it in was, my head that I had it in my head that uh, that you were still in high school. No, no, I was I was at Shemekda, gotcha. and uh, and and maybe I don't know, but Dad was always and, and even after um, I graduated, he still go to home games. Yeah, you know it wasn't it was it wasn't definitely a whole lot longer because of the timing, but he was the guy that started the blowhorn. The right. foghorn. Yep. Every touchdown, there'd be a foghorn. And what was a, kind of a eerie moment when I was back home, but they blow a foghorn <laughs> after touchdowns. And I don't know if they're, if that's why, or if they're, if, if it's just a thing they do. I don't know. Cause I didn't get a chance to ask anyone. Right. But I was, after the first touchdown we scored in that playoff game, a foghorn goes off from the press box. Right. I was like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, cool, cool. But I was like, huh, I don't know. <laughs> so at, at that but, point, yeah. when you have something like that happen to you, do you obviously it, it takes a toll on you emotionally and stuff like that. Did you then like shift your focus to like, I got to be serious and like, you know, get some shit together and, and, and start moving in a different direction or, or how did that affect you? When I was in college? Yeah. Yeah, no, I had the opposite. Okay. <laughs> it's like fuck everything. So I go to Yeah, well, probably. I think I needed it. I don't know, who knows. Right. Um So I go to Eastern and you know like Dustin Ramirez at Eastern, uh <clears throat> Adam Corey's at Eastern. They're both playing basketball. Um I end up over to Eastern a year before Bud Long. Uh, my second year at Eastern, Bud Long moves, transfers over. Um, we're roommates. 
And I remember showing up uh, to day one of my second year at Eastern when I should be a sophomore and I'm still a freshman. Um, I should be a junior. Shit. Um, <laughs> and and, uh, and I remember before we left Bend, I told mom I wanted to go on a Costco run and we just bought as many cases of beer as I could buy. <laughs> um, at Costco and mom takes me over to Easter and I just, I'm like, bum on, help me unload. And we're just unloading case after case after case of beer. And, um, that's how my experience at Eastern pretty much went was, uh, party central. And, uh, fortunately I was, I met a gal and she was from Portland and I was able to get the heck out of there. Cause I was going to flunk out. I mean, I was on the, I was on the shit list the Dean's list for not the right Dean's <laughs> list for five of the six terms I was there. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it was bad. I mean, I remember transferring to Portland state and, uh, geez, I don't know, maybe a 2.0, maybe. And, uh, looking at my credits and the professor. Wait, wait, wait. Was, that, was, that, was, yeah, that, yeah, was yeah. that your grade point average or your blood alcohol level? Yeah, probably both. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the guy told me it's going to take you three years. And I'm like, God, I've already been in school for three years. And uh, I go, all right, well, um, I want to be done. I want to be done with this in two years. And uh, he (laughs) kind of chuckles. And uh, he goes, all right, well, you can only do 12 credits while you're here. That's it. That's that's all you're doing, which is like minimum full-time. Right. And cause we're on the trimester system in Oregon and he goes, if you get B's and better while you're here, this first term, I'll open it up. You can do whatever you want. So I did. Okay. And, uh, I went, I went in academic overload the rest of the time I was in Portland state taking 18 to 24 credits a semester, depending on, or a term, depending on what, what I had and, uh, ended up killing it. And I just needed to be somewhere where I didn't know anyone. Okay. Um, because I don't know, like again, circling back airbase friends in mill city, I was in a place where I knew too many people Yeah, and I thought animal house was a documentary, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, but yeah, no, I, uh, ended up graduating with like a two nine. All right. But my PSU PSU GPA was like a three five. So nice. that I tell you. Nicely done. <laughs> so so. At, at that point, had you figured out what you wanted to do? You wanted to get into teaching or what, uh, what were you looking at? You know, I, um, I started as an elementary school major at Eastern. Um, I did a couple science classes and uh, I was like, I'm not really into the little guys first grade, second grade, like they're cool and everything, but eh, no. Right. So I, I switched over to history while I was at Eastern. And then I finished my degree at Portland state in social studies and kind of what was happening in Oregon at that time. Cause I was like, Oh, I'll be a social studies teacher. I'll be a coach. So this is going to be great. And uh, what was kind of happening at the state level was I believe the year I transferred to Portland state, they put it up and they passed was um that you had to have a master's degree 
than at that point to get in to even step foot in a school. Wow. Anybody, anybody prior to whatever year <clears throat> was grandfathered in. They had so many years to get their master's credits, five or 10 or whatever it was. Um, but all of us that were still in education programs then had to transfer into a master's program. So I finished my degree bachelor's in social studies at Portland state. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to like, I, I really don't know if that's what I want to do. Kind of cold feet, I guess. Right. And, uh, so I went, I went overseas, taught overseas for four years and, um, did that thing and worked for boys and girls club here and there. Um, and then, you know, while I'm overseas, I figure, yeah, that's kind of what I want to do. I'm going to do that. And, uh, went back to Lewis and Clark after I got done traveling and, uh, did my master's of ed in school counseling, actually. So you just, so you, just, um, you, so just like, you decide you're going to go overseas. So you end up in, in Korea. How did, how did you determine where you wanted to go or did they not really give you much choice? Okay, so back to my bachelor's degree. My bachelor's, you had to pick two focus areas at Portland State. Um, my focuses were Northeast Asian uh, history and geography and African-American studies. And um, so from that, this is back when you still look for jobs in the, in the newspaper. That's how old I am. Right. Um, <laughs> so I'm sitting there as I'm getting ready to graduate, and I'm looking at, jobs and there's an opportunity to teach English in Japan. So I start researching it and whatnot. And, uh, um, I decided to sign up for it and end up in Japan for a year. Um, my, my, uh, significant other at the time, she was a year behind me in college and, uh, she said, well, if you want to go, that's awesome. I go too, but you got to wait a year. So I ended up in Bend working with boys and girls clubs of Bend. I'd done that every summer. Um, cause after dad died, mom moved to Bend. Right. And, uh, and so <clears throat> I was like, all right, so I'll go hang out in Bend for a year and, uh, work with them. And then we ended up going to Japan for a year. Well, my roommate in Bend went to Korea. So we visited each other and, uh, Korea was awesome. And I was like, I got to figure this out. So eventually ended up in Korea for three years. And uh, it, was, it was a fun time. So when you, were in, when you were in Japan, where in Japan were you? I was in Osaka. Osaka, okay. Which is, which is a city of about 18 million. Yep. So think about that coming from Mill City, Gates, Idana, Detroit, greater metropolitan area. I, uh, um, see, because my, my, my knowledge, yeah, exactly. <laughs> My knowledge of well, that's about like living in Gates, and now I live in Houston, Texas. So, right. Uh, my my basic knowledge of Japan comes from the fact that I enjoy Japanese pro wrestling, and yeah. so I know some of like some of the bigger cities like Osaka and and uh, you know they have Tokyo and uh, some of the other yeah. places I know like there's Hokkaido and Kobe and yep. those sorts of places, yeah. but uh, they. Uh, I always, I, I definitely want to go to Japan someday because I want to go see New Japan Pro Wrestling. But uh, just when you, you when yeah. you were over there, was that uh, was was that anything you noticed in the culture? Did you ever see anything like that? 
like the wrestling stuff? Yeah, yeah. Did you ever was it part of the no. this is this is just me being <clears throat> no, a nerd K- and asking questions, so Yeah, yeah. No. K one was big. Yeah, yeah. When I was there. And Bob Sapp was the big guy. Yeah. He was kicking everybody's butt or whatever. And I think Bob Sapp played for um they play uh for Tampa Bay, I think. But he was he was big when I was there. And we're talking like O two. Yeah. Um they uh they but ran Bob a, Sapp was huge. Yeah, they ran a uh a show on New Year's uh New Year's Eve there that drew like that did like thirty one million viewers on T V for a right. for a K one fight uh in Japan. Right, yeah. He, and so uh, wrestling wasn't really up and coming when I was there. It was more K one. Uh baseball was huge. Went and I hate baseball. I really do. Um but I went to a bunch of games because I live three blocks from the Osaka Dome. And <clears throat> here's a fun here's a fun fact. So going into the Osaka Dome, you always want to sit with the locals, right? And yep. obviously you do because you want to experience it and everything. But they brought in their own musical instruments. Wow. And they played the fight song the whole game. They were dancing around the whole game. It was amazing. The, and I, never, I, don't, I couldn't tell you what any plays were. Cause I don't really care. Right. But that was probably the funnest baseball games I've been to. Aside from college world series this last year. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, it was fun. The fact that they brought in their own musical instruments. It was amazing. What's funny. So now they, uh, they do occasionally they'll run, uh, <clears throat> They'll run at the Osaka Dome now. The uh, see, because like uh-huh. when you were when you were there in two thousand two, would have been like at this, like literally that anyone that's listening to this, no one cares. But that was uh, <laughs> like at a time where uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling was like really kind of down. Um, but they've okay. they've had a they've had a big, like Portland wrestling. Yeah, it was a, a little bit slightly bigger than Portland wrestling, but uh, they've uh, they've since rebounded and they uh, they run shows in Osaka, um, usually a big show at least once a year. And I think they run they run some they run at a place called Osaka Pref- Prefectural Gymnasium, holds about seven thousand huh. people. Right. So wherever that is, very very interesting I conversation for everyone that's listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> they uh they would they would run big uh they would run big shows there uh let's see they ran a big show there in 2001 which drew 18,000 people Really? Yep, and they ran a show there huh. in 2004 that drew 15,000 people. Jeez. And, huh. but they would Maybe uh, I just missed it. Uh yeah, I mean probably. It, like I said, when you when you would have been there, would have been kind of like in the in the down period, because they had a real big, right. they had a real strong run in the early and mid nineties, and then kind of rode that yeah. wave for a while, and then it you know dipped down and, and stuff like that. Because like nineteen ninety seven, they ran at the Osaka Dome and drew forty three thousand people. <clears throat> that's a, that's incredible. So, with, that's uh, incredible. With, I mean. Uh, and when I got there, they just finished co-hosting the World Cup with uh, South Korea. Right. So maybe everybody was on like a soccer craze. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Anyway, <clears throat> you know. this is real yeah. riveting conversation. <laughs> I'm sure everyone has enjoyed the last five minutes of me rambling about 
I've I've worked really hard on my podcast as of late to not really talk about wrestling because no one really seems to care except when I am talking to like my buddy Rod who comes on and talks about it. But I will warn everyone at this point. I'm going to. Uh, in fact, I'm going to a New Japan show. They're coming to the United States in April. They sold out Madison wow. Square Garden. That's, so, that's incredible. So I will be. Uh, I'll be on. Yeah, New Japan Pro Wrestling is on TV here in America on Access TV. Huh? They uh, on Friday nights yeah. they do uh, they do a one hour show. <laughs> But uh, anyway, just everyone. I will be tuning in. Everyone listen. Every, yeah, I'm sure you're you're heading to your DVR right now. Uh, so just everyone prepare yourselves. I probably will be talking a little bit more wrestling as we move forward uh, in the coming months because I, you know, it's my, and frankly, it's my fucking show. So you know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Lead the way. If all you people don't like it, you can, you know, go listen to one of the other fucking podcasts that are out there. There's only a few of them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if you're listening, if you're, if you're listening to this and are not aware that there are more podcasts out there than mine. Thank you. I appreciate that. Your dedication. But uh, Anyway, so you, you did the Korea thing. Um, yeah. What? And so one of the things I was, I was thinking about, cause I, I knew you had done that was, what uh, what kind of things do you notice as an American overseas, and how we're seen overseas versus how we're kind of how we think of ourselves when we're in America? Like we kind of have this way that we think that we're viewed, but what's what's that view look like when you're on the other side of the world? So I was overseas during the W administration. And I would love to be overseas right now to compare <laughs> if you get what I'm laying down. The, um, uh, we were kind of like looked at as like, are you, are you kidding me? Really? This is, um, this is where we're at. And, huh? <laughs> this is where you guys, you guys chose that guy. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, there were times when I was traveling around, if I go to China or, uh, some other places, um, I put a Canadian flag on my bag, a little patch. Right. Um, just cause I didn't want any hassles. Yeah. I didn't want to go and I didn't want to go anywhere and they'd be like, Oh, you're American. Nope. Nope. Not serving you or whatever. So I kind of pretend I was Canadian and that was with George W. Bush. And, right. um, I, I feel like right now, holy shit. Um, yeah, I definitely would pretend to be Canadian. like, I don't know. Like if I were to go to a frame of reference, I don't know if I would carry a Canadian flag around then if I had high, you know, our foresight or whatever, it'd be like, yeah, just wait. It's going to get so yeah. much worse. Yeah. 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 We're going to have a little lull of something a little more progressive and then it's going to hit the fan <laughs> and then, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, but yeah, no. Um, it's 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 a weird, it's weird when you're traveling abroad. It really is, and that people are like, tell me about America, you know, this, that, and the other, and they're really open to it. Um, and then other people are like, no, you're a bunch of fucking assholes, and we are both, both, <laughs> both, are, both are fair points. <laughs> you know, and. Um, so it, I guess it just depends on the company you decide or the company that finds you. I don't know. 
Um, I was in Vietnam for a month, and uh, some people really hated the fact that I and my significant other at the time were from America, and other people wanted to tell us everything about communism and how bad it was and all that sort of stuff. So, so really, just kind of depended on on who you would run into and how you know. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's yeah, kind of like sure. here. Yeah. If someone comes from overseas here, if they get the right person, that they're gonna tell them all kinds of great stuff, and other ones are gonna tell them to fuck off and go back to their country. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree. Yeah. What's frustrating though is that uh, there's people that live in this country that will tell people, other people that also live in this country, to go back to their country when they're actually already in their country. <laughs> yeah yeah no yeah and uh yeah that's we get that here in wyoming and what's interesting about living here and um because it's a very red state yes um and i kind of felt like wow i can actually vote my conscience because it doesn't really matter um i can pick whoever i really think is the best because the red guy is going to win anyways right um but the people that I've met who were born and raised and like generational families in Wyoming mm-hmm. are much more open-minded that I, at least that I've met hmm. than the people who have moved here. Um, the people who have moved here, I think have moved here for the wrong reasons. You know, they've, they've come here because it's a red state and rah, rah, rah. And um, the people that, uh, born and raised here and have generations of families here are more like, eh, we don't really care. You do you, I'll do me. No right. big deal. And so I've, I found that really, really interesting living here. Cause I, I kind of felt like it was going to be the opposite. I was like, Oh boy. <laughs> well, and, and but, I think they're kind of like up in the Pacific Northwest and, and, you know, and, and Wyoming's not technically up there, but it's kind of more in that region it seems like a lot at least from what i remember when i spent more time out that way is that people like kept that part of themselves to themselves and it's like yeah i I have i have the way i feel about things but as long as you're not negatively impacting my life we don't need to get into that and we'll just you know so you know just deal with deal with the things that yeah. yeah It was more about, you know, just yeah. taking care of your own business and and uh if you didn't bother anyone else, then no one really bothered you about stuff. And we didn't I think Absolutely. that's something that's definitely changed in our culture is like w- people never used to identify themselves by identify themselves by who they voted for in the last election. Right. Like it that was right. it just wasn't what you talked about. Like people did their voting and did that sort of thing. I think part of it is like the twenty four seven news cycle, like and it, we're just constantly oh, yeah. we're constantly inundated with political information and and stuff like that. And what's interesting is I've always wondered how people could not understand what's going on around them. But when I was uh, back home at my mom's house, she got terrible. Mm-hmm. She gets terrible cell phone service. Their Wi Fi is get, is like a one megabit upload speed. So you couldn't really do anything. <laughs> I was basically cut off from like my usual, you know, Twitter and that sort of stuff where I'm constantly 
in like and and a lot of times it's an echo chamber of you know a lot of people that i agree with saying things that i want to hear and being being driven to news stories that i'm interested in that kind of mostly would just support my viewpoints and stuff like that but not having that i very quickly fell out of pace from knowing what was going on on the day-to-day and honestly i was much fucking happier yeah because yeah i I, I, in some ways i just didn't realize how much i how much shitty shit i'm constantly reading about there are times where like you just got to push the social media away and and um you know it's at some point at some point people are going to learn that no problem ever gets solved on twitter right right there's there are there are there is good that can come from twitter like i was just reading an article um a little bit earlier there's a comedian pat oswalt who um there's a guy kind of trolling him on twitter and said some heinous shit and like he kind of slapped down at him and then was reading the guy's timeline and saw that like he and his family had been going through this really hard time and uh this guy was struggling with uh, medical issues and stuff like that and he was like Patton oswald took it as an opportunity to be like you know what this guy's having a real hard time if i was going through all the shit he was going through i'd probably be pissed off at the world too and he's like i'm gonna take this opportunity to try to switch things around and the guy had an open GoFundMe, which is a whole other thing where we live in a country with billionaires, but we have people that have to fucking right. raise money from other people on the internet to be able to pay their medical bills. We'll get into that in a minute. Right. But yeah, we yeah. have they the guy had an open GoFundMe. Pat Oswald puts two thousand dollars into the GoFundMe and then encourages his his fans to uh you know, to, to show this guy some love and to kind of help him out. The guy had a $5,000 uh, $5, goal. Within two hours of Patton tweeting about this and making a donation, they were at $12,000. This was, this was um, like five days ago. I went and clicked, wow. I went and clicked on the GoFundMe link um, about an hour ago. $47,000. Uh-huh. Jeez. So, and, and the guy was like, I can't believe this. Like I'm, I'm kind of real, you know, this whole thing has made me realize how, like, even though this is an, can be an anonymous thing, like words really do really words really can hurt people, but they also can help people. And like, there are good things that can come out of bad situations and stuff like that. And, um, you know, that's, that's one of the few times where you're like, Hey, Twitter maybe isn't the biggest, uh, cesspool ever. Right. It often is right, right. Yeah, well, and and in my in my field, I deal with all this texting and social media stuff all the time, where kids get all bent out, well, parents too, all bent out of shape about something. That, I'm like, the tone that you just read is the tone that's in your head, right? It you don't know that other person, like you don't know what their intention was or nothing because it's not face to face, and face to face conversations are so much better. Um, if you want to read tone and whatnot and, and, you know, body language and such, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's horrible. Even in my, in my field to try to deal with all the drama that comes from maybe nothing that could have really created any drama. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I can't, I can't believe someone hasn't invented, uh, an, a sarcasm font for uh, social media. 
Like there's your million, like, million dollar idea right there. Here's here's uh the <clears throat> on Facebook you go to make a post and it gives you an yeah. option of okay here is I'm being serious font here's sarcasm font here's funny font you know like so then people yeah. people realize like oh I'm supposed to read this as a joke you know right sometimes yeah. sometimes I mean you got all the you, you got all the gifs you got all the emojis. I mean, why? Yeah, exactly. Why can't there be a font? Because sometimes "go fuck yourself" doesn't mean to literally insert something up your own ass. Like <laughs> that's not what I literally mean. But if you don't understand, yeah. like if yeah. if I had a font, like maybe you would understand. That it's just it's playful. Here's my. Yeah. This is my. Yeah, yeah. This <laughs> is my. This is my loving "go fuck yourself." Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <sighs> I got off on the tangent as I often do. I will. I will. Uh, I will digress. So, oh you, yeah, uh, I mean, you you were overseas. You come back to uh, you come back to the states and you jump in a master's program. And it, that at that point, you've decided that like you're gonna this teaching thing. You're going full throttle with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, so I I, I danced the dance with like teaching and overseas. And I'd been a mentor, I guess you could say, with boys and girls clubs for a long time. And I thought, wow, this is pretty cool. What is the best of both worlds? And it is really school counseling. And um, so I, I luckily, luckily, I got into Lewis and Clark, which is amazing to think that I actually, when I say it, that I got into Lewis and Clark. Um, <laughs> With a two nine GPA and my my what we talked about earlier, right? My fuckery. Um, I'd emailed a lot of places because applying for grad school is not cheap. You're talking 150, 200 dollars an application. So I'm emailing schools all around Oregon State, George Fox, Portland State, all these schools that have uh, school counseling programs. <laughs> They're like, yeah, no, no, <laughs> you don't have a 3.0. Bugger off. And uh, <clears throat> I email the um, department chair at Lewis and Clark, I said, look, uh, you know, if you just look at my transcripts, um, you see that, you know, yeah, I had a bump in the road and, uh, but Portland state, I proved myself, whatever I, but I'm not going to spend $180 on your application if it means a definitive no. And uh, the guy goes, yeah, well, um, it's a maybe, why don't you come, we'll meet up here on campus for coffee, bring me all your transcripts, let's talk. And, uh, so I do, and we get up there and he goes, all right, I think you're the right guy for the program, but I can't guarantee it, uh, apply. And I can guarantee that you get a interview and then you're on your own. Right. Okay. So. Um, they have something like three or 400 applicants a year for 40 spots Wow! at Lewis and Clark. And, uh, for those, those listeners who don't know, Lewis and Clark is a pretty prestigious school in Portland. It's up on the Hill. Um, law school is amazing. Um, and, uh, so <clears throat> I, uh, I apply, I get an interview and, there's out of 400 applicants, they narrow it down to 150 for this interview and they're group interviews. There's 75 in a room, 75 in another room with three professor panel. 
I'm going, oh, man. Oh, jeez. What am I doing? And uh, so the question is, tell us about a book you've just read and why it's influential to you. I'm like, okay. So I'm thinking about all the, because in Japan, I didn't have TV, didn't have nothing. Korea had a little bit of TV, not much. Been reading, you know, how else are you going to entertain yourself? You read. Right. So I've read a lot of books. Um, traveled after I finished in Korea, traveled to Vietnam for a month and read and whatnot while you're backpacking. And, uh, I don't sleep on planes. So you're talking to 18 hour flights that I'm reading on. I'm like, okay, so what book do I need to choose out of this? So people are, and I'm still pondering the question. I'm, I'm kind of introverted and uh, it takes me a while to think of stuff. And, uh, first person was like, well, I read ESPN magazine. I kind of stopped myself. I'm like, that's not a book, but all right, good on you. <laughs> and it's just going around. It's the stupid shit like that all the way around. And I'm like, really? So it comes to me and I'm like, well, I read Echo Tar- Eckhart Tolle's Power of Now on the plane from Vietnam to Anchorage. Oh, really? Why was that influential? Well, you know, and I started talking about the book. And I was like, holy shit, I'm in. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, it was one of those like, oh, moments and, uh, get in Lewis and Clark, do the program. And, uh, I ended up pulling like a three, nine, five at, uh, Lewis and Clark. And, uh, yeah, I mean, here I am. I'm a school counselor. Imagine that. Um, don't want any of my students listening to any of this. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I, I, I. I mean, they definitely shouldn't be listening to any of the stuff that I say, but you you have you have an important story because it 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 can show them that you know even if you don't know exactly what you want to do coming out of high school, if you if you can, yeah. you know, take a chance, work hard, you know, even if and even if you hit a bump in the road, that doesn't mean it's over. Even if you have a bad first right, year, right. Or even a bad first two years, or you're like me and you don't go to college until. You know, you've been out of high school for five years. Right. You you can still have an opportunity to go back and find a path that uh, you can be passionate about and something that that matters to you, and and you can still have an influence on people. So while I definitely would not recommend this program in general for your students, your story story is probably one that would be good for them to hear. No, I mean – and I do, I tell the, I tell kids that story a lot, uh, especially when they're like, why are you so hard on me? Why are you forcing me? Why are you like, they think I'm forcing them, yeah. but why are you like nagging me about scholarships? Why are you nagging me about this? So I sit them down. Look, this is what I, this is my life. And they're like, Oh, <laughs> so I feel like a lot of times you choose a career. Sometimes, you know, you fall into where you need to be. Yeah, exactly. And you also have, and I've kind of looked around at at, uh, some of the demographic stuff and and the size of the town that that you're in right now in Wyoming, uh, in in Riverton, and it's it's a smaller town, so you can relate to kids on that level too. You're like, hey, I went, my high school was in a town that was, you know, about this same size, and you know, this this may be this may seem like the only world that's available to you. But there's so much more out there, and there's so many things that are available to you. If you have dreams and ambitions beyond this, those are attainable if you work for them. Like, you don't have to stay right. in this little town. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We, uh, yeah. No, you know, we've 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 both yeah. we've both uh, managed to get away from the canyon, but also have that pull back to it. I I wonder sometimes about some of the people that have never left the canyon, and what well, we're breaking up a little bit. Oh, we're breaking up. So repeat bit. that. Well, we can't yeah. break up. No breaking up. You good now? You hear me good? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I sometimes wonder about people that have never left the canyon uh, because, you know, there's there's a few of them that are that are on social media and, and I see some of the things that they post and say and I'm just like, do you have any idea of the fucking world that's actually out there? Like, do you look right. ever look past, you know, the five feet or do you ever look past the uh, 30 miles between you and Salem? Like how much right. more of the world is actually out there? Because I, yeah. I, I I look at some of the things that people post, and I'm like, how the fuck did we grow up in the same place, and are such divergent opinions on so many things, and have a, such a right. different worldview? And I look and I realize, well, that's because they don't really have a worldview. They have the view of never having left where they are. Exactly, exactly, and I, and I, you know, it goes back to what we were talking about before, where. I think that I was fortunate enough to kind of have the gumption, I guess, to travel around and, and explore. And and then with our, our, our great background in the Canyon to be able to understand and just be open to things. And um, I think that if you don't do that, that leads to what you're talking about, where you just keep narrowing that vision closer and closer to what's comfortable, I guess. And, um, when in reality to be open to things is equally comfortable. Right. So we, um, this is something I've been, I've been thinking a little bit about here recently. And I, I did, I did some research and was having a conversation with my wife earlier tonight. And I, I'm, I'm constantly baffled by a couple of things. One, how a country with so many people with so much money and so many resources, we have so many people that have so little. That continually right. bo- that continually bothers me. Like we have we have 500 people that are residents of the United States of America that are worth over 1 billion dollars. Right. There's a 500 people worth a billion dollars. So yeah. If they just if they all took one million dollars, that would be five hundred million dollars. And my plan would not to be give it to poor people because I don't think that would do anything any good. But like, just think of what right. you know those sorts of things could do to try to help boost you know some people out of poverty. Because we it's it it's weird that we live in this world now where like poor people are demonized. Like we don't we don't yeah. fight we don't fight against poverty we fight against poor people we're somehow against right. poor people and I don't understand I just don't understand how that works and on on the flip side I don't understand how many I don't understand why so many poor people vote for Republicans <laughs> I, I honestly well, here's, don't here's, yeah yeah I I get you. But here's an interesting thing about Wyoming, for example. So they're very rich 
in oil and minerals and coal and all those things. Yep. <clears throat> and so what they, what I think it was about 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, the governor at the time, because it was all in pockets of counties yep. where these counties were super rich and super wealthy and other counties that didn't have maybe the abundance that others do, um, said, no, that's not fair to everybody else. We are going to take all the mineral rights, all the taxes that we make on oil and coal and all these things, we're going to put it into a central fund, and then we're going to equally disperse it throughout uh, the, the state for education. So I get paid, like in, in Fremont County where I live, the teachers make an equal amount, whether they live in one town or the other town, they make the same okay. because they're equally distributed the amount of, um, of uh, revenue from these oil or mineral taxes, right? And it, it is based on cost of living and certain things. Like Jackson Hole and the county that Jackson Hole is in makes quite a bit more than I do here in Fremont County just because it's that much more expensive to live in Jackson. Right. So they take, they take cost of living and they inflate it a little bit in order to make sure that people can live there and educate there. I mean, these schools are brand new. Um, the facilities are amazing. Like the town I live in, Riverton, the track is an eight-lane track. It's a premier league soccer league field with a football field in, in the middle <clears throat> with a jumbo truck. And you're talking a town of 10,000 people <laughs> and it's all paid from the state. Wow. And so you think about that, you think about like, well, Wyoming is a red state, but not really. If you think about how that's distributed, like, no, we want everyone to have an equal playing field. We want things to be, new and and good and and we want to pay our teachers well and we want to invest in our in our future and they do that here there's certain counties that that there's kids that have one-to-one laptops they just check them out they don't have a deposit or anything because that's what they decided to do instead of an astroturf field they'll, they'll have a grass field for football and soccer and they'll give kids laptops I mean, this is what the community decided. Right. And, but there's so much money here from, and they're, they're very fortunate from the, the mineral rights. But if every state had that point of view with, okay, these are, this is our tax collective. Let's tax corporations to pay for education and, and to invest in our future. I think every state would be the same as Wyoming, to be quite honest. Um, but they don't think that way. No. They really don't. And it seems like a lot of that is because businesses have been giving have been given the opportunity to have more sway with people that make the laws versus an individual person. Like if you or I call right. up our senator or our congressperson and say, you know, hey, I don't really think that this is the best way to go about things and here's why, fine, I'm one person. Right. But if the right. biggest if the biggest uh corporation or biggest job uh creator in your district calls and wants to have a meeting they're going to have an opportunity to have more influence and right 
it's yeah. one of those things where like you know it, do we need to get money out of politics is, is there's so many there's so many different things and it's so it's such a complicated issue that it's almost like well it's so complicated we probably won't be able to fix it so we don't even bother trying right right no i agree and maybe it's because wyoming is the least populated state in the union or you know we just they were fortunate enough 10 years ago to have a progressive thinking governor to say no you guys can all f off and this is what we're going to do with it um i don't know but um yeah think about like oregon's got google in the dow they got facebook in primeville they got you know they got um intel in hillsborough they, facebook, they could totally facebook do is in thing. primeville yeah they've got a big warehouse with like a database huh like a uh, like, like a server four people, farm. Four people, yeah, big server farm. Like four people manage it, but they get it for tax free, right? And it's like, no, no, are you kidding me? Like, build solar. Like, we got tons of sunshine in Primeville. Build a solar panel, you'll get free electricity. But we're going to tax the shit out of you to have it here. And if every state did that, if every state was together and did that, yeah. then they would shop around for the best price, but states would benefit from these corporations. Whereas, like I said, in, in Wyoming, the governor just put his foot down and said, no, this is what we're going to do. You can afford it. And if you want our minerals, you're going to pay for it. Right. And, um, you know, it's just going to take that sort of progressive thinking, I think in a lot of states, but we're maybe far from it. I don't know. What's interesting is that in some ways we've we've gone where we've had all of these advancements in so many ways, but in so many other right. ways it feels like we've regressed as a society. Like we used to we used to cultivate okay. we used to cultivate a strong economy and we used to strive to cultivate, you know, artistic appreciation and you know people were encouraged to, you know, get educated and stuff like that. It it feels like right. and I know where Bill Clinton was thinking when they talked about, you know, everyone should have a chance to go to college. Well, not everyone yeah. should go to college. College is not no, I, I college, agree with that. college is not beneficial to every single person. No, not at all. And um that's the approach I take, right? Which is and then maybe it goes back to the canyon life, but um what is what is it that you want to do? I've got a senior right now whose family owns a a business where they um, when bits break when they're drilling, they go down and pick the bit out, and they do really well. Yeah, they do amazing for themselves. So that kid needs to take a couple management classes at the local community college, maybe get an associate's in business, and go to work. Right. That's what that kid needs. And um, other kids want to be teachers. Other kids want to be nurses. Okay, so you need this sort of training. Some kids want to be in the army. Okay, this is what you got to do. Because what's and, happened? Um, what's that, happened is they they encouraged all of these kids. Oh, you need to go to college. Everyone needs to go to college. We need you to and everybody. I, our generation, right? Our generation. They they encouraged everyone. We need to go to college. You need to do this. We need to make. But then what happened is is a bunch of these business fucks figured out how to fuck all of us and make a ton of money off yeah. of it. So yeah. where it used to be, 
you know, you hear stories about like people that are older than us or, you know, a generation before, oh, well, I worked and put myself through college. Well, yeah, that's because it was like $350 to go to college for a year. Like, how are you, you know, you take a full course load and work a job to, to make things just to get by, but you can't also pay $30,000 in tuition on top of that. Exactly. And, and, you know, and what's interesting here in Wyoming is that, you know, I'm talking about how they distribute the funds equally all the way through the top into the university system. So I'm able to do my administration certification out of pocket, out of pocket. Yeah. And if I were to do this same program and say Colorado or Oregon or Idaho or other places I've lived, we're talking three to four X more in those states versus what I'm paying now. And it's like, and I can break it up into monthly payments and all these sorts of things where, you know, I start paying a little bit before the the semester starts and I'm paying a little bit each month. And at the end of the semester, I'm at zero. And it's like credit. It's like credit card payment. It's, it's nothing. And, um, but it's only because they funneled the money into education here. And, uh, it, it's good for the it's good for the people here. Good for me, right? <laughs> as, a, as a recent recent uh, Wyomingite, I guess you could say. But um, yeah, like I said, if if all the states could look at it that way and say, what are our corporations? What are our what is our industry? And let's start negotiating and funneling that money towards future prospects. People would be way better off, and it'd be a it'd be a great thing looking forward. Yeah. So I, uh, not to, uh, I'm going to take an opportunity to educate you here. I, I believe you would refer to yourself <laughs> as a, as a Wyoming. Okay. Yeah. So, whatever. Isn't I'm that how not it goes? really, I'm isn't here. That how it goes? I'm here for, a, I'm here for a good time. Not the long time. Hey, hey now <laughs> you're just here. You're just here to use up the resources and then hit the trail. Yeah. 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 Like any good red guy. so you were you're working with a lot of kids and 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 doing that um what's what do you see as the biggest uh issue for kids to succeed nowadays what's 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 the thing that that can hold um the hold kids back from from you know achieving better than what they're what they're doing yeah yeah. Um, that's a good question. But I think, um, honestly, I think it's this idea of, uh, like information at our fingertips. Yeah. Right. We can, we can pose a question and we can yell across the room to Siri or Alexa or whoever, and they can answer it. And, uh, there's no real deep thinking involved. There's no real, um, I don't want to say memorization, but like actually having to know the information. Right. There's no retention of information. uh, No retention. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. So I think, I think that's what I see now for millennials, I guess you would call them or whatever is that information is at their fingertips and they can regurgitate anything quickly. Right. But to actually have a free thinking thought, 
is really difficult for this generation. And that's all that education really is, right? Is, yeah, you can, even back when we had to go to the library and pull out a, a slide uh, and at the Dewey Decimal System and figure out, go through a card catalog and try to research. Um, you better get, you better get you some microfiche. Right. <laughs> but the information's there. The information was already there. Somebody had done the research or whatever. Um, it just took a little longer to get the information than it does now. Um, but I, 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 I definitely feel like it's this sort of free thinking, big idea type of thing where, um, because information is so easily available, we don't have to think. Um, whereas before, maybe you had to ponder it a little bit more before you went to the card catalog right. and spent 20 hours looking for sources that weren't there. I don't know. Yeah, no, absolutely. My I thought. think that I, you're, <laughs> you're, you're boots on the ground. So, I mean, you would have a, a much better idea than, than a lot of people. Um, uh, millennials seem to get a really bad rap these days. Like it seems like every time you oh, turn yeah, around, yeah. every time you turn around, there's a story about how some millennials are killing some industry. What, uh, <laughs> what, what, uh, what do you see in, in kids these days that gives you, that encourages you going forward? Like when, um, like when I, when I look I, at these, when I look yeah. at these kids, I see this, this thing, I feel like, as they get older and this generation kind of comes into their own, like I see this as a strength for them. Optimism. Yeah. I honestly, I honestly think that they're very, very optimistic. Um, they're looking for the good and everything. And, um, I think that'll serve them very well. I really do. And, uh, so to think about, I don't know, just human nature. If, if you're pessimist all the time, then you're going to live in a weird, dark place. But if you can be optimistic and you can think about like how we can make things better over time, I feel like your attitude is going to be better. You're going to, and maybe create a better society. So I think that that's the big thing with the younger generation right now is that they're very, very optimistic about where their future will go. And, um, and I think that's really, really cool. Uh, you, another thing, uh, another trend that you see is millennials are are soft, and everything frightens them, and all this sort of stuff. Do you do you do you notice that in your community? Are are they all a bunch of like I just want things done for me, or or do you see like there's kids these days that have an actual like a spirit like a, of a work ethic and and are willing to jump in and get things done? Well, I, I don't see it any more than when we were growing up, right? Right. Those, those people that really wanted to dive into it and get it, get it done. And there's, and there's people that aren't going to have the initiative. Yeah. Um, I think that's a scapegoat, this whole sort of, you know, the snowflake or whatever. Um, and, and what, what humors me is that the people that are calling people snowflakes are just as offended (laughs) by the opposition, um, or the opposite thinking of them. And so them themselves are actually snowflakes. And, and, uh, so I, I, I don't even know if that's even really, um, a thing for 
<clears throat> this younger generation. I really don't. I think that it's, it's, it's the same as it's always been. There's going to be people that are going to have the initiative and go getters. And there's going to be the people that are like, yeah, I'll take the easy road out. Do you, is it, is it mostly, um, I know that you're kind of near a, a native American reservation. So is your population kind of like some native American kids and some low, some white kids or what's, what's the breakdown of your school? I work at a 100% native American school. Okay. So do, yeah. do you notice that, that they are, they are just as optimistic because, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk about, you know, the different ethnic ethnicities and uh, different cultures in our country. But the one that you really don't really ever hear much about is the native American culture. And I, I right. personally am I'm much more connected to it because my stepmother is native American and my stepbrothers and sisters, uh-huh. are, you know, they're native American. So right. I have a little bit more of an appreciation for that culture than, than some do, but it, that's not a culture that we ever really talk about in this country. Do, do you notice that they feel like they have a place in this world? Yeah. And, and what's interesting is I think, um, again, it, it comes back to maybe that 50, 50 swing, right? Mm-hmm. Where, and and I'm I'm trying to draw from other places I've worked other than here. Um, I really feel like it is a 50-50 swing where you're going to have people that are very initiative and, and go-getters and whatnot. And the other, they just kind of go, go along with it. And I feel like it's the same out there uh, where I work on the reservation. And um, a lot of kids are, especially this year, are really focused on getting out and um, – and, and trying to do something good, not for themselves, but maybe for the community, but there's an equal number of kids that are like, as long as I get a diploma, I'm the highest serving kid in my, my town or my family or whatever. Right. Um, but again, you know, I think you could look back at when the people we went to high school with, it'd be almost an equal breakdown. Well, that's that's encouraging to know that you know that that there are you know kids out there that want to go out and try to do something for because you know all you hear about is how you know everyone and it's you notice how it's always uh, it's always some motherfucker that has you know a couple hundred thousand dollars in the bank and probably one house that he lives in and one house on the shore says how everyone else just needs to suck it up and make a better lives for themselves right right yeah exactly. It's, uh, um, it's, it's continually frustrating. Yeah. I just, I, I, I just, I don't understand. Like I said before, I don't understand people that, that choose elected officials that are definitely opposed. Like they aren't going to stand up for what would be something that would change that person's life. Like I, I get it. There are, there are people that are single issue voters you know they they vote whether you know dep- you know maybe it's abortion maybe it's border security right. maybe it's these sorts of things but at the same time if you look at that person if you're if you're a struggling you know former coal miner in West Virginia and you vote for a republican just because you don't like abortion like they're not bringing yeah. they're yeah. not bringing coal jobs back like I right. get, I get that and, you, I get that you want someone that, you know, is, has a, has a similar moral standing as you, 
But at some point, right. don't you want someone that also has a moral standing to say, hey, we're not going to lie to you and tell you that we're going to do all these things that we can't possibly do, but we're going to look to find solutions to try to make every, to try to give everyone a better life. I feel like we've lost in this country yeah. trying to look to do the most good for the most number of people. We're never going to be able to fix right. every single issue for every single person. This is not possible because you, you have, we are 320 plus million people in this country. Like not every single person is hap- is going to be happy, but we spend so much time hearing about how we're, you know, all fighting against each other. But like, why? I just don't understand why we don't want to elect people that want to strive well, for solutions. I, I think it's because we're a short-term memory country, yep. right? Like we don't, we don't really. I don't want to say we're uneducated without saying we're uneducated, but like talking about coal, we haven't lost coal jobs to the EPA as much as we've lost coal jobs to automation, right? So those sorts of jobs have been automated, just like the auto industry yeah. is all automated. And so what does that mean for me as an educator? That means I need to tell kids these things, right? Like a kid comes to me, well, I want to be coal miner like my dad. Well, you also need to learn how to read and you need to learn how to do math. And you might need an associate's degree to run the machine that's going to take your dad's job. Right. And, and so it's not necessarily telling kids they don't want to get into coal because great paying, great paying job, but, you got to look at it a lot differently now because you know, the, the owners are going to look for the bottom dollar, which is automation. And so how do you fight that? You need to get trained. You gotta have training. Yep. Um, you know, I've got a, I've got a 2014 Tacoma and I wouldn't trust a mechanic without a, a high school diploma to fix it. Right. But somebody that's read the manual and I know can read and has been certified by Toyota to fix it, I'll let them fix it. And you they'll know? probably so still it, they'll it, probably still fuck it up, but at least they were at least they were initially trained correctly. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, in the end, you know, you can't get anywhere without a high school diploma these days. Yeah. That's just a simple fact. You can't you can't really get very far without a bachelor's degree anymore. Well, in most places, yeah, I would agree. Or at least I would say maybe I wouldn't say a bachelor's. I would say an associate's no. with some sort of skill training. Yeah, right. Well, I tell you um, what, my uh, my associate's degree in radio broadcasting from a college that no longer exists does <laughs> me wonders. <laughs> You got a podcast. I mean, I do have, I do have a podcast. <laughs> it should, I, I should have went to business school because this podcast doesn't make any fucking money. I, but, uh, that would have been helpful. No, if I would have, if I would have started doing a podcast when I wanted to start doing a podcast ten years ago, when there was about six podcasts, I might have had an opportunity to make some money. But uh, no, I, there you go. Yeah. But I'm, but I'm, uh, but I'm on the other side of the fifty-fifty of uh people that uh <laughs> wanted to work hard and, and make a better life for themselves in in the in a field that they would enjoy mm, instead i go yeah. to work and uh, do uh well we won't get into that 
we uh there's there's a there's always a possibility that someone uh listening to this podcast might actually be someone at my work and you know we don't want them to hear anything that could be misconstrued well sir i've had you here for uh an hour and 20 minutes we've 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 told some stories we've caught people up on you know how how we how we know each other your life story we've we've talked about some of the pressing issues going on in our country uh is there anything else that you want to close out with is there anything that's rolling around in your brain uh any do you have do you want to ask me a question any, anything you got going on that uh, we can close this bad boy out with uh i'm about a six pack deep so no nice what 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 are you drinking tonight I'm drinking a uh, an IPA. It's called a Melbourne IPA, seven and a half percent. From uh, yeah, no, I I drink the good shit. Alpine, Wyoming. Beautiful. Which is which is near Idaho. So if you want a good IPA, Melbourne is one of the better ones. Can I just say we we <laughs> talked about a, we've talked a lot of uh, some negative stuff in in this in this country. Yeah, let's close let's, that with something good. Let's let's talk about the positives and how much good beer gets made in this country now. It's another thing that pisses a me lot. off about how many people drink shitty Coors Light and Bud Light and all this garbage. You know, you spend yeah, you can spend yeah. three dollars more and get a really good beer from pretty much anywhere. Like I can't I I can't yeah. remember the last time I went into a store where you could get you know, alcohol that I didn't find a really good beer that I'd never heard of before from some weird ass place. I was like, wow, this is amazing. I'm so glad that I live in this world. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and, and you can go into local brewery, uh, brew shops and you can do your own, Yes, you know, you can get online, you can get online. You can look at like the shoes brewery. Um, I, I make the Jubileo in the summertime because I miss it. And Jubal is a, uh, a winter festive beer. And uh, I think it's seven and a half percent. But if you, if you really do your research and you think about it, um, I can get Jubal to about nine, nine percent. <laughs> and I keg it or I bottle it. And it's amazing. It's a, it's a good beer. And uh, people that want to drink Coors Light and Bud Light all the time, you're just drinking water. It's really hard to drink it. And, um, without much, I, without and, and much fact, alcohol in it. No, like two percent. I mean, it's it's Mormon beer is really what it is. <laughs> um, when I worked in Bend, kind of coming back to that story, my uh, club director, her husband was a brewmaster at uh, Deschutes Brewery uh, before they kind of got really big. Yep. And um, we were always getting pony kegs or whatever he was trying, whatever. But they went big, and uh, Miller. Is, is the big brother of the shoes. I don't know if you know that now. I do. And they make all, they make all the premier. So you can buy mirror pond in New York. Yep. It's because Miller brewed it. You can, you know, black, uh, black meat Porter, those sorts of things. Um, so he went on a tour of the Miller factory. We're playing cribbage. We're drinking beer one night. And he's like, it's horrible. It's all, it's all synthetic synthetic hops synthetic whatever and the beer comes out clear and they add food coloring to make it look like beer so moral of the story drink your local beers yep support your local breweries make your own if you're a chef or you know inclined to because it's good um 
and you it's way better way better houston houston has some great <laughs> beer there's uh yeah there's a there's a, a a brewery called saint arnold's they uh they make okay. a bunch of 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 really good good beers that i i frequent and um and there's another one called Carbach that uh those are my two okay. favorite uh breweries uh here in town so i uh nice when i'm when i'm well, feeling, i may be in i may be in austin need. this spring Ooh. i may be in austin this spring all right and so i'll be looking for local I, i'm gonna i may go on a hog hunt down there um nice. got some connections might try to go um get some bacon Beautiful. <laughs> we'll see what happens. They got they got plenty of feral hogs out there in the hill country, so I'm well, sure that's what I be helping. Well, and, and I got a connection. I got a connection to a ranch, and here's the thing with feral hogs is that uh, if it's on private property because they're invasive, you don't need a hunting license, don't need a hunting tag, so you yeah. just go shoot whatever you want. Are you gonna be like, uh, Ted, like yeah? I, are you gonna be like Ted Nugent and shoot out him shoot out him out of a helicopter? You know, that would be, I guess, cool. No, <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> um, I'm not an, I'm not a fan of the news. I'm really not. I, he makes good points. He does. Um, but, uh, no, I'll take one hog cause that's all I need. <laughs> you know, I'm heard, more of a, I've heard I'm more that of a about conscientious you. hunter. <laughs> I heard you're you a, heard si- what about I, I heard you're a single hog kind of guy. Yeah. 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 Thank you for that. Where's, I'm gonna I'm gonna insert a uh, a rim shot in there. Yeah, yeah, you should, you should. Thank you. Yeah, I'll be here. All, I'll be here all week. I've been yeah. I've been uh, I've been up since uh, about four o'clock this morning, so I'm starting to get a little punchy with uh, my humor. Good, good. That's always fun. N- you know what? You know what they have in Austin these days. They have uh, they have they have one they have one thing that would make you feel right at home. They got Voodoo Donuts in Austin now. No shit. They have Voodoo Donuts, and they have In-N-Out Burger. I feel like I don't want to go to Austin now. You don't want to go? <laughs> no. Like, Voodoo Donuts belongs in Portland. They are all Nowhere over the place. Else. Really? They're, Voodoo is in... That's too bad. Voodoo's in Austin, and uh, they're in Portland, they're in Eugene, and I want to say they opened one in L.A., that's too bad. I remember waiting in line when I'm at Portland State, Lewis and Clark, waiting in line at 2.30 in the morning to get a bacon wrapped uh, maple bar oh, God, yes. from the Voodoo, the Voodoo Donuts downtown that people that are listening to this don't understand where that's at. But it's right off of Broadway, and that is the place. Yep. And any other Voodoo Donut is not Voodoo Donut. It's, just, it's a knockoff, and it's dumb. <laughs> so uh so you will not be visiting voodoo donuts when you go to austin no no uh, officially no officially no. <laughs> i do i do recommend i do recommend hitting up uh hitting up uh in and out burger though because that's that's good no matter where yeah you are. well yeah there's one in salt lake i've been a few times but i prefer i really don't like these chains i really don't i like going to mom pop places having some good food because I enjoy cooking myself and uh, I want to see what the world's got to offer. Well, yeah, I mean, you do that too, but I mean, you got to grab an in and you got to get a double double every now and then. 
Yeah, well, I can do that in Salt Lake. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, sir. Well, I uh, I thank you for uh, spending some time with me here on uh, on the podcast. Uh, you will definitely have to do it again when uh, when your schedule. Oh, absolutely. When your schedule allows, drop me a note and we'll. Uh, We'll rampage on millennials, yeah. old people, business assholes, and uh, all kinds of fun stuff. All sorts of good stuff. Yeah, I agree. All right. Good talking. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you for uh, taking the time to listen to this week's episode of Just Another Why Guys podcast. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, all of the other places where podcasts can be found. And, uh, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Dustin P. Jones. Josh, you got social media that anyone wants to get a hold of you? Can they talk to you? I know you're on Facebook, but... I'm on Facebook. That's it. Cause I'm old. That's I'm it. Old. He's old. He doesn't have the Twitter. He doesn't have the Twitter machine. <laughs> the Insta face. I don't know how to tweet. Don't the, know the, how to do any the, of that millennial the, shit. The Snapgram. He doesn't have any of those things. <laughs> but uh, I do. So if you want to get in touch with me, also if you have questions, you can send them to the podcast jogpod at gmail dot com. Feel free to drop us a line. That's it for this week's episode. I'm Dustin Jones. Always protect the five hole. Hey Ty, who's your favorite person? Only Dustin. Fucking right. Too much. Oh, it hurt. Oh, too much. Too much. Oh, it's too big. It was too much.